Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her. And in the same way the seven died, leaving no children. And finally the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, Well said, teacher, and no one dared to ask him any more questions. Good morning. Good morning. That's, that's quite a text, isn't it? It's a conversation that Jesus is having <clears throat> with uh, two groups of men, individuals, who were at the temple, probably at the temple area. And at this point, uh, one group were, was affirming that there was a resurrection. The other was affirming that there was not a resurrection. And uh, they, they actually had a controversy going. Now, we read through it pretty quickly and very easily, or we, we read through the text, there's a, there's a great deal more here than, than meets the eye initially. So as we look at it, we're looking at the fact that the, that the uh, people at, in that day had a division over a concept of the resurrection. Now we know from the reading the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus spoke very plainly at different times about the fact that there was a resurrection. Now, I want to, want to mention something about one of the accounts in, in the book of Matthew in talking about this section. When Matthew records the, the same thing that Luke recorded, he said that they do greatly err, Matthew 22, verse 22 through 27, he said they do greatly err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Now, what he was referring to was the fact that, that the information that we have, all the information we have about a resurrection is bound up in the scriptures. He was talking about the scriptures that had been written to that time, which would begin with Genesis and read through the final uh, minor prophets. Now, they had extreme confidence and appreciation for the scriptures, which we should also share. Now, the point that Jesus made at that time was that the scriptures stated that there was a resurrection, but it was not stated in, in the sort of terms that we would be able to see immediately. In, in other words, it wasn't a positive statement like this, there will be a resurrection. It's not found that way. Matter of fact, Jesus said the way it's posed is 
that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were children of the God who is the God of the living. And that's what God told Moses when he chose him to go down to the children of Israel who were in Egypt, Egyptian bondage and bring them out of that bondage. He said he is not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. Now what will escape you pretty quickly is this, that he's, he's basing the resurrection on the fact that you're going to rise, not that Jesus is going to rise, but that you're going to rise. He said he's the God of the living, not of the dead. Which means that the fact that he is that God determines the fact that we are going to resurrect. Kind of vague, isn't it? In a way. But it's really not. Jesus, as he talked to the people, he consistently referred to the fact that there will be a resurrection. In other words, you're going to get up out of your grave. Now, when we talk about a resurrection, understand this, that, that, that uh, you understand the same thing they understood, and that was that your physical body will be brought back and you will be resurrected. There's no other concept of a resurrection taught in the Bible. It's not a spiritual resurrection. It's not an angelic resurrection. It is a bodily resurrection. And every time you run across a resurrection in the scriptures, it had to do with the person reappearing in the body that they, were, that they left this earth in. Right? There's no other concept of resurrection taught in the scriptures. So when we're talking about the resurrection, we're talking about God either having to reconstruct the body that has dissipated over the ages and brings us back. The fishes may have eaten it. It may have simply deteriorated ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Whatever it may be, God is going to reconstruct that body, whether it's in youth, middle age, or old age. He's going to do it. We, we don't have any concept of what time of life that your body is going to return in, but we do know this, that it is going to be a bodily resurrection. It's going to be that. When Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, he came back in the body that he went into the grave in, right? When Jesus raised the daughter of Jairus, she came back in the body that she left in, okay? So every time we talk about a resurrection or somebody coming back to life, we're talking about something coming back in the body, the body and the spirit being brought back together again, and there being a resurrection, okay? Now, when we read about the resurrection that Jesus is talking about, then we're thinking about that particular concept. John 5, verse 21-22, Jesus said, For as the Father has raised up the dead and quickens them, even so the Son quickens whom He will. For the Father judges no man, but He has committed all judgment unto the Son. The Father raises up the dead, and so will the Son. That's what Jesus is saying. He told a crowd of several thousand... In John chapter 6 and verse 44, he says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now that may have contributed to this controversy that the Sadducees and Pharisees were engaged in. They may have been hearing him say that, 
And now then they came to him this question, and they were saying, uh, Master, we've got a question. If a man comes back, if he's married and he dies, and his wife marries his brother, dies, marries another brother, dies, seven of them, then, then he's asking a question not about the resurrection, basically. They're, 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 they're proposing a question that has to do with the particulars. What's going to happen when it happens? You, you follow me? They weren't, they weren't really getting down to the major issue. And the major issue was, there's going to be one. Now, how it's going to transpire and what's going to happen there is, is another point. And that's what Jesus said. He said, when they come back, they'll be like the angels in heaven. They'll not be married or given in marriage. Okay? But, he did, but they, 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 weren't, they weren't addressing the point. The point was, will they resurrect? Not what will happen after they resurrect. Okay? So they really didn't, didn't, didn't pose a problem that was insurmountable to Jesus or to any of those who knew the Scriptures. Now, Paul addressed this same question. It was still going on. It was still raging when the Apostle Paul was preaching the gospel. And when he was taken into custody in the city of Jerusalem, he had he'd traveled throughout Asia and Asia Minor, and he'd gone throughout Greece, and he'd come back to the city of Jerusalem on his final journey. When he got back to the city of Jerusalem, then, then the, they arrested him because they thought he was teaching against the law and against Moses, and that he was opposing the scriptures, which he wasn't. But they were, they were questioning him about his doctrine. And so let me, let me read a text in, involved in that discussion when the Sanhedrin were questioning Paul about what he was teaching. So in Acts chapter 23, verse 6 through 8, it says, When Paul perceived that the one were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, so he saw this same group of people, Sadducees and Pharisees. He cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. Now that was the big issue between these two groups, the resurrection. And when he had said so, there arose a dissension among the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. Okay. Later on, before the consular Felix, Acts 24, verse 20 and 21, Paul is again questioned about his position. And in Acts 24, 20, he says, Or else let these same hearsay if they have found any evil doing in me. So, they wanted him, Paul, to be brought back to Jerusalem so they could put him to death because he's preaching the gospel. But Paul is saying, if they've got anything against me, let them, let them come confront me, okay? He said, let, let them find some evil doing when I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice, he said. He said, I did say something that got them stirred up. He said, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't teach anything wrong, but I got them worked up. He said, when I stood before them, I, I stand before them touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. What was that question? Paul was saying there was a resurrection. He said the same thing to King Agrippa later on 
when Agrippa came to the same place, they were in the city called Caesarea. And in Acts chapter 26, verse 6 through 8, he says, Now I stand before you, talking to Agrippa, and am judged for the hope of the promise of God made unto our fathers, under which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God hope to come, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? He came to the point, and the point was, here the issue is, God said he was going to raise you from the dead. And he said, why, Agrippa, why do you think that's such a puzzle? Because Agrippa should have known, he believed the prophets, Agrippa should have known that there was a promise made that God was going to raise the dead. And Paul said, why why is that such a surprise to you? He touched upon that same nerve, I guess. The scriptures of Moses and the prophets teach that there was going to be a resurrection from the dead. Now what I want to key on is that he's making the promise to all humanity, not the promise specifically to Jesus. He's promising in the Old Testament, making the statement, and you have to look at it. You have to read, you read your, use your thinking, your reasoning. You have to use your intelligence to get it, but it's there. Sometimes you have to read the scriptures and say, well, what does it mean and what's there instead of what you think is there? Okay? So what we're going to do is look at some passages in the Old Testament, in the Moses and the prophets, that talk about the resurrection from the dead. Now the one that we read was taken from Exodus chapter 3, when God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I'm not the God of the dead, which meant that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were still alive, which also meant that there's going to be a resurrection. Ha! Let's see. Well, we know that Genesis chapter 5, verse 24 says that Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So we know that Enoch is alive. We know that. God took him. But in 1 Samuel chapter 2, at verse 6, the text tells us, and there are just a few texts in the Old Testament law through the prophets that talk about the fact that there will be a resurrection for all of us. Okay? The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. Okay. That's a resurrection. Job chapter 14 verse 12 through 15. So man lies down and rises not till the heavens be no more. Man lies down, doesn't get up until when? Until the heavens be no more. They shall not awake nor be, nor be raised out of their sleep until the heavens are no more. Oh, that you would hide me in the grave, that you would keep me secret until your wrath is past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Friends, I'm not going back and looking in the Old Testament saying, here's a text that says there will be a resurrection. 
we're using our thinking cap here. We're looking at the scriptures and seeing what they say. Okay. The next text refers to Jesus, obviously, in Psalms chapter 16, verse 9 and 10. This talks about Jesus in particular. Therefore, my heart is glad, my, my glory rejoices, my flesh also shall rest in hope. You will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. That's talking about Jesus. Okay. Isaiah 25, verse 8. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from all, from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. He will swallow up death in victory. That, my friends, is talking about a resurrection. If it's not talking about a resurrection, what does it mean when he says he will swallow up death in victory? All right. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's a resurrection. Daniel 12, 13. Go thy way. He's talking to Daniel. Go thy way until the end. You shall rest and shall stand in your lot at the end of the days. Again, a resurrection. Hosea 13, 14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plague. O grave, I will be your destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. I'll ransom them from the power of the grave. A resurrection. Now, I'm going to take you on a little journey. I'm going to tell you something that you may not have thought about in your reading of the Old Testament. I'm going to talk, I'm going to, talk to you about Jonah. Jonah. Okay, Jonah chapter 2 at verse 1. Jonah was swallowed by a fish. Remember the story. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh like God told him to do. So he took a ship out of Tarshish, and he, he went his way. And after a while, of course, it was a storm. And eventually Jonah realized he was, the, he was the Jonah in the boat. So they tossed him overboard. God prepared a great fish and swallowed him. Now read with me. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried, and you heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All your billows and waves passed over me. Then said I, I am cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her, with her bars were about me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Now people would usually think when Noah went into the belly of the fish that he just stayed there for three days and three nights. Intact. That's not the case. He died. He died. Because Jesus referred back to this. He said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man 
be in the belly of the earth in the same way that Jesus went into the grave and died, went into Hades. That's what happened to Jonah. So when Jonah came back, God must have reconstructed him. You know, there's, there's some pretty powerful acids in the belly of a fish that would consume a man's body. What happened to Jonah was he was resurrected. Pure and simple, he was resurrected. The, shift, the, uh, the uh, fish spat him out, vomited him out on the, on the dry ground. God brought him back to life. Jonah wasn't alive during that period of time. He was, he was just as dead as Jesus was dead when he was in the belly of the earth. Anyway, the majority of the Jewish population does not believe in a general resurrection. Now that's sort of interesting, isn't it? But they have, they have a prayer. They, they say three prayers a day. They have a morning, noon, and evening prayer, like Daniel did, I suppose. They, they patterned it after Daniel. It's called the Amidah. And they pray three times a day. Inadvertently, in those prayers, they recognize and state a resurrection. So whether they actually put it in their dialogues or not, and they've had a lot of controversies over it, there three times a day they make the statement that there is a resurrection in their three prayers. That's interesting to me. Of course, there are questions in our minds about the state of the dead. The appearance of Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus on the mountain in Matthew 17 brings up the notion that the dead are conscience, conscious and waiting in a particular place for the resurrection. So when, when we see in Matthew 17 that Peter, James, and John went up on the mountain and there they saw Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus, then it, all of a sudden it comes into our mind, well, when we die, you're conscious. You're just waiting to say something to somebody. And then there is the, the story of, uh, in, uh, in, of the, uh, in Luke 16 of Lazarus and the rich man. You remember? Lazarus died and was taken in the bosom of angels, taken by angels and taken into the bosom of Abraham, who apparently was alive, obvious. And then the rich man died and he was in, in another place that wasn't as comfortable. And they talk back and forth, and so people get the idea, well, okay, you're alive, you're conscious when you die. Well, let's, let's examine this a minute. I don't know, to be honest with you. I do know this. Some are and some aren't. I know that. So that you know the controversy that the Pharisees and Sadducees were having wasn't over the basic principle is there a resurrection? It was over what's happening during the resurrection. You see? You see my point? Their, their, their problem was, they're, they're trying to figure out, well, how, how will we get along? And you know, sometimes we get in the same situation. Will we recognize those of our friends and family and children and relatives and ancestors? I don't know. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things which are revealed belong to us and our children, that we can do all the words of the law of the Lord. Okay. I don't know. Does God want you awake after you die, before the resurrection? Maybe. 
He wanted Abraham awake. He wanted Elijah awake. He wanted Lazarus awake. He wanted the rich man awake. But let me read some text for you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 and 52 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Okay. He's talking about sleeping. You know, when you, when you go into surgery and you're put out so that when the surgeons are working on you, you don't feel anything or shouldn't if they have you out. But you're not dead. You're alive. You're just not awake. Okay? So if you sleep when you're resurrected and you're asleep, you're not dead. You're just asleep. You follow? That's important. He said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the, dead, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Let's look at another text. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 and 14. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. So somebody's asleep. He's talking about those that died. He's talking about them in sleep. He said that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For we believe that God died, that we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. He said, there are some who are sleeping in Jesus. He said, God will bring with them. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9 and 10. God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Whether we're awake or asleep, we're still alive, he said. All right. Revelation 14, 12, verse 13 says we're comfortable anyway. He said, here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead, which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works follow them. You're resting. So when you, when you die in the Lord, you're going to rest. That's, at least we know that. Now, whether we're awake or asleep is up to God. That's up to God. If he wants you awake, you'll be awake. If he wants you asleep, you'll be asleep. Waiting for the resurrection. That's the point. I had a fellow ask me that last week. A preacher, a friend of mine from California. He called. He said, Bill, I need to know something. And we talked about this for a while. He said, yeah, that's what I thought too. I said, okay, that's good. Because that's what the scriptures say. You don't know whether you're going to be awake or asleep before the resurrection. But when the resurrection comes, you'll be awake. Those that sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. Jesus will bring with him. Now, Peter, when he was preaching, we know this, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the gospel. When Peter preached the first gospel sermon, he preached the, this fact. And that was that uh, God had raised Jesus up, loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden by it. Okay. It wasn't possible that Jesus could be put in the grave and kept there. Now, 
I'm going to take you to some other other point, and that that point is this: that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is dependent upon your resurrection. If you don't rise, He didn't. He couldn't. Okay, that's a, that's a very important point. First Corinthians 15 verse one says, "Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also." You have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I, de- I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, the re- what I'm saying is, what I'm, the point I'm making is not just that he rose, but every point that, P- that uh, Paul is making is, according to to the scriptures. That's the point. He arose according to the scriptures. Now, I know Jesus arose because God promised that he would. And he promised it in the scriptures. That's a contract. When you have a contract, you write it down. When you have the contract in written form, it's in a permanent form. And you can take that contract to a judge or, or a magistrate, whatever it may be, to a council, and you can have that contract enforced. God made a contract in the scriptures that the dead will rise. You get that? Now this is the way Jesus stated it. In, uh, in the book of John... And I believe it's in chapter 22. See if, see if I can get this correct. 22 verse 35. Jesus said, John 10, 10, 35. Jesus said, the scripture cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. God had a contract that you are going to be resurrected. That's your contract. God signed that contract. That's the scriptures. Now, when Jesus came back from the dead, it was because God said he would, and that's his contract. Right? Now then, Paul went on to say, now I'll show you that he really rose, but the first thing he said was, it was according to the scriptures. God said it was going to happen, and he made a contract. When he said it, his word cannot be broken. Okay. No, Paul said, we know he was because we saw him. Peter saw him, all the apostles saw him, and then 500 brethren saw him. And then he said, I saw him. Okay. That's just additional proof. But the point is, God said he was going to raise him, and he raised him. But let's follow this just a little bit further. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, verse 12 says, If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? His argument is not that Jesus rose from the dead. His argument is that we rise from the dead and therefore Jesus rose from the dead. That's what he's saying. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not risen. 
So if you're not going to rise, Jesus didn't. That's what he's saying. If you aren't coming back, he didn't. Okay. He said, but he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13, it says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak, knowing that he that raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up by Jesus and present us with you. My friend, you're going to rise from the dead because God said you would. That's a contract he has. You're going to rise from the dead. God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 11. He said, He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe that? He asked Martha. And she said, Lord, I know he will. Do you believe that? If you believe the scriptures, if you've read the scriptures, and you believe that God has made that contract, he's going to raise the dead, then you also believe that he raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus is going to raise, that's how you're going to come back. He's going to raise you from the dead. That's what we preach, and that's what we teach, and that's what we anticipate, a resurrection from the dead. Now, let's hope it's a good one. Let's pray that it's a good one. Let's pray that we're ready for the resurrection, that whether we wake or sleep, we'll be ready when we hear the voice of Jesus when he called us to come forth from the grave. It doesn't make any difference what body you're going to come back in. Paul de dealt with that in 1 Corinthians 15, if you're concerned about that. These are simply some of the particulars of the resurrection. He said, some are saying, well, what body will I have when I come back? Paul said, it doesn't make any difference. It's going to be, it's going to be like his body. He's saying, you don't, when you, when you plant a seed of corn, that's not the plant that's going to come up. So he, he actually talked about that because there were people then were concerned about it too. What, what's my body going to look like? Well, it's going to be better than the one you have now. We know that. So there shouldn't be any worry about that. So it's not the particulars. If we believe in God, if we believe that he has a contract with us because his word cannot be broken, there's going to be a resurrection. We are, after we die, whether we go to sleep and stay asleep during all that time, who knows? Whether God says, no, Jeff, I want you awake. No, Herman, I, I want you asleep. No, Maggie, I want you, I want you asleep too. It doesn't make any difference. There's some that will sleep and some will be awake. Obviously, that's what the scriptures teach. But these are just particulars of this. The major point is we are going to stand up again in the last day at the trump when Jesus shall come again with the shout of the archangel and the trump will stand up again. We'll wake up if we're asleep. We'll get up if we're not asleep but we will meet him in the air. God help you and God bless you. Thank you for listening to me talk to you about the resurrection. It means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to you too. 
the standard singer of songs of invitation.